Well, good morning again, everybody. Sorry to interrupt. Sun is shining outside. It's beginning to feel a little like spring, right? Isn't that wonderful? All right. Yes. Bring it on. Uh, Be thou our vision, O ruler of all. And uh, as we move through this Lent season, that's what we want uh, our cry to be. Um, Jesus, be our vision. You are the ruler of all. Like, be our vision for what you are calling us to be in the world, right? We step out into our world amongst a cultural landscape. We said this last week. That is this weird hodgepodge of part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, part affluence, part vanity fair. And man, we can be tossed all over the place. Like it can be really difficult to keep the vision of Jesus, what kind of being are you calling us to be in the world? Jesus, you've given us a vision of a kingdom that's very different than the cultural landscape that we walk day in and day out. And so this morning, we want to begin exploring that kingdom vision that Jesus brought to us. But first, a reminder of what Jesus first said when he showed up on the scene. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Some of the first words of Jesus' public ministry, the time has come. And the word there for time is the word kairos. It's a Greek word meaning a moment in time. It's not chronos, chronological time, but this is a moment in chronological time that has arrived. And we believe even for us, Mosaic, that there are these moments in time where we're faced with the vision of the kingdom that Jesus brings us. And are we going to live this and embody this or not? So the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So repent. Have a change of mind. Change your direction. Come back home. Come back home. Come back home to the place that God first called you from. That place of being his child, right? That place of finding your identity completely in him. But sometimes it feels like we've drifted so far from that home. How will we ever get back? And on on, uh, Ash Wednesday, I I sent out a little story over social media. It was a story that's told in Jewish tradition about a son of a king who was a 100-day journey from home. And he comes to this realization that, whoa, I've drifted from home. I've got to go back home. But he's convinced he just can't make it. He can't do it. And his father, the king, hears of this. And his father sends him a message. And the message is simply this. Just go as far as you can today. I'll travel the rest of the way and meet you there. And so that's all we have to do is just catch ourselves in those moments. Hold on a second. I think Jesus' kingdom is revealing something to me, something that I'm seeing that's wrong, something that I'm thinking that's wrong, something that I'm not understanding properly. And I've got to come back home to this kingdom that that Jesus has birthed me into. And just go as far as you can, right? God will meet you and, and kind of help you walk back to that place. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. This is just kind of covering a little bit of where we started last week. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Right? It's not like you can kind of go and visit it. It's not a geographical location. 
Like, I'm in Nebraska now. I get to go visit my dad in Arizona later this week. It's going to be 80 degrees and sunny. (laughs) But I won't rub it in. Um, I'm excited about that warmth. Uh, But it's not not a geographic location. It's not that type of thing. So Jesus is, is saying this. You know, it's not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Or you might have a little little letter in your Bible, and it can also be translated, or the kingdom of God is within you. So this kingdom is within you. It's in your midst. So what's the image that comes in your mind when you hear the word kingdom? Is it a palatial paradise coming down from the sky to rescue you from your present circumstances? I mean, for, for the first followers of Jesus... Their idea of this kingdom was really um, something very similar to the kingdom of Rome that they were living in, but just different, but really embodied the same characteristics. And so much of Jesus' uh, ministry is, is helping his followers like us kind of break down these wrong ideas and visions of what the kingdom is in order to pick up true, proper visions of what his kingdom is. Jesus calls us to the significance of the insignificant. Jesus calls us to the significance of the insignificant. And this morning what we want to do is allow Jesus to give us a vision of his kingdom that starts in such insignificant ways. Things that we often don't pay attention to. Things that aren't that important. Things that oftentimes, let's be honest, the new series on Netflix is much more important to us. The cultural patriotism that we often engage in is much more important to us. The cultural affluence that we strive to keep up with is much more important to us. But Jesus is saying, if you really want to pay attention to this kingdom that's in your midst, that's within you, you have to learn how to focus on what seems insignificant, because that's where the significance is at. And uh, Jesus told this story of something very insignificant. So I'm going to place these in the hands of people right here. And I'm going to ask if you would just, um, just start passing these around. Take one and pass it around. Um, some very insignificant. In fact, I can venture to guess that a lot of you will just end up dropping these um, as you pass them around. Because that's how, that's how seemingly insignificant they are. Um, and sorry if I don't have enough. But uh, here you go, Brandon. Thank you, sir. Don't drop any, okay? Safeguard them there. Right? See, some of you are dropping them already, aren't you? Um, got them there, Dan? Here they come. Here, let me have Helen. There you go. Helen, right there. Just start passing those around, all right? These seemingly insignificant little things. Sorry, there might be some pocket lint that I'm pulling out, too. I apologize for that. Yeah. Right? Little, tiny, insignificant. So just start passing those around, Okay. This, this is what Jesus' kingdom is calling us to pay attention to. And we're going we're gonna to dive in this a little bit more in just a little bit. But I'm wondering, like, what, what 
at first insignificant thing are you, are you looking over in your life because you're looking at something else that our cultural landscape lays before you. And therefore, you're missing the significance of what the kingdom could be birthing in you. We, we have to stop and pause and ask these questions, Mosaic. Jesus calls us to the significance of the insignificant. Daud Nabi was a 71-year-old man who showed up in Christchurch on Friday to pray. And this 71-year-old man would stand at the door to the entrance of his mosque, and he would simply welcome people into his sacred space that he and his friends had created. And he would invite people in to pray. And he had this seemingly insignificant three-word phrase that he would offer to people as they would approach the door. And the three-word phrase was simply this. Come in, brother. Seemingly insignificant phrase. Come in, brother. But let's just pause and consider that, okay? Because that, that seemingly insignificant phrase carried incredible possibility, incredible possibility for people to to approach him and enter into a space that would give them a whole new vision, but also because of just the evil and darkness that's present in our world and the hate that some people are bent on, that seemingly insignificant phrase carried so much significance that it actually cost him his life. And Daoud Nabi was the first victim identified of the 49 victims um, of that hate-filled massacre on Friday. But it was that, that insignificant, it seems like insignificant welcome. Come in, brother. I mean, imagine a life that's lived that kind of way, right? Come in, brother. Come, in, come into my space. Come in, sister. How are you? I'd love to get to know your story. I don't want to label you. I don't want to get in a culture war with you. I just want to create a space where we can get to know each other. I want to, I want to create a space where we can step out of our cultural landscape that's all these other things of part patriotism and part violence and affluence and consumerism and vanity fair. And like that seemingly insignificant phrase of come in, brother, carries so much possibility. Um, And so, yes, I know it it may make us feel uncomfortable, but I think even at times um, we as followers of Jesus can look at what others are doing around us and say, what can we learn from them? And that we have something to learn from the life of Daoud Nabi just that insignificant, kind of seemingly insignificant, come in, brother, come in, sister. This space is for you. Justin Whitmill Early works for an organization that has um, really started to dive into how do we create habits in our lives that actually allow us to pay more attention to the seemingly insignificant things that we often overlook. And um, so Justin has this quote um, in some of the writing that he's done. We, for our own sake, tried to become limitless. And the world was ruined. Jesus, for our sake, became limited. And the world was saved. 
Jesus took on limitations for himself, right? And Jesus calls us to take on limitations for ourselves because Jesus is inviting us to pay attention to this kingdom that Jesus says right here, Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, there's a whole lot that's going on in this little parable that Jesus is telling. But Jesus is telling, if you want to get a a vision for what my kingdom can accomplish, you have to start putting limits on yourself and paying attention to the seemingly insignificant things that I'm longing to do in your life, right? Or the things that often we just overlook because, let's be honest, we're just much more caught up in the cultural landscape of what's going on around us. Right? We get caught up in those other things, the affluence, the consumerism, the patriotism, the violence, the vanity fair. We want it all. We deserve it all. We want to live limitless in the midst of all of that. But Jesus is calling us to pay attention to this kingdom that's like a mustard seed. And, and this, is, this is good that Jesus calls us to this. Um, I had the opportunity this week. How many of you, did any of you seen the documentary Free Solo? Uh, the story of Alex Honnold. He, he's a mountain climber, and um, he was the first and only person to free climb, okay? No ropes, no safety harnesses, nothing. The face of El Capitan. Uh, he did this just about two and a half years ago. Fascinating documentary. Fascinating. And, um, like, as much as I'm drawn into watching this, I'm just blown away by it. Thank you, Garrett Johnson, for the recommendation, by the way. Where's Garrett? Is he here? There he is. I think you were the one who mentioned it to me. Fascinating to watch this story kind of play out. Um, but, like, I can watch something like that and, like, be faced with this, whoa, I am incredibly insignificant because I am never climbing the face of Al Capitan in three hours and 56 minutes. In fact, in a lot of ways, I will probably never do anything that even, like, remotely comes to, like, that fascinating. Um, so as much as I'm, I'm blown away by that story and drawn to it, at the same time, like, you watch it with a level of caution because, like, hold on a second. Time out, Kurt. No, 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 no. There are some very significant things that the kingdom of Jesus is calling you into right now. His kingdom is calling you into an interior wholeness that will steady you like a rock in the midst of winds that are blowing all over the place if you'll just allow him to shape and form the interior of your life. Jesus is calling you into the incredible significance of not finding my value and identity in things of cultural affluence and consumerism, but actually in emptying myself and living in simple ways so that others can simply live. These are incredibly significant things that Jesus is calling me into right now, and he's doing the same thing for you. His kingdom is calling us into that, right? As much as I love to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, all right? Don't get me wrong. At the same time, like Jesus' kingdom is calling me to pay attention to the little ways that I allow kind of these weird patriotic kind of identities that we've crafted for ourselves. Just say, I'm just stepping away from that. Jesus is calling me to something more. He's doing something very different in the cultural landscape around us. Jesus is calling each of us, you guys, to incredible kingdom significance. When I was at um, a student at um, 
a Christian college back in the 90s in Chicago. I want to tell you a story. Um, so uh, Bob Muzikowski um, was a very financial, very successful financial planner, um, broker, uh, living and working in New York City. And Bob Muzikowski came to speak to some of us at the school that I was at because he had recently moved to the Harrison neighborhood of Chicago. And the Harrison neighborhood of Chicago was exactly a neighborhood that Bob and his wife and family, they, they, you know, they weren't the type to move into the Harrison kind of neighborhood. The Harrison neighborhood was kind of on the edge of, of a lot of rough areas. Cabrini Green, which was arguably um, kind of the worst kind of crime-ridden, poverty-stricken urban developments, um, just right there on the very south side of downtown Chicago, um, was right next to the Harrison neighborhood. And Bob Mazakowski, he talks about while being in New York City, um, he and a lot of his coworkers, a lot of times, they'd talk about just what was going on in the world. And this was in the 90s, right? Everything was perfect in the 90s, wasn't it? It seemed like it. Um, but they would talk about things, and like they'd often, you know, just be discussing like everything that's going on in the world, and they'd often just throw their hands up in the air. I remember Bob saying this when he came. He said, my coworkers and I, we'd throw our hands up in the air, and he said, the best we could come up with was we're going to go play some charity rounds of golf this weekend and throw lots of money at those problems. And hope that somehow it fixes it. So Bob had done this for for a long time. But then Bob came to this realization as he started to pay attention to the seemingly insignificant things. But realized that, no, no, there's incredible significance in these things. And realized there's something significant that I can be doing in the kingdom. So Bob and his wife ended up leaving New York City. They come to the Harrison neighborhood of Chicago. He finds this old ball field that's just like littered. The grass is overgrown. And Bob gets a couple of other um, neighborhood guys, and they, they just get some volunteers together. They renovate this field, and they pull together what turns out to be, over a few years' time period, one of the most successful private little leagues um, for the youth of Cabrini Green and those neighborhoods right there. And what happened is, is Bob and, and these other coaches, not only would they, they you know, kind of form these little league and invite these kids in to play baseball, because if they're playing baseball— they're not going to be doing some of the other things that they would be doing. Um, but then they would take these kids, like, and actually take them to Illinois, like some rural areas of Illinois, Iowa, Indiana. They'd travel with these kids because most of these kids had never left their project. Um, and as a result, like, these kids just started to get a new vision for life. And, like, they started to find a new identity and new meaning. And Bob talked about this sense of, like, I just started with these simple things, my love for baseball, And just my looking at the world and saying, what little thing can I do with something that I love and see a change happen? And so I wonder for I wonder for us, Mosaic, for you, what is it? What's something that you enjoy doing? What's something that you enjoy doing? And maybe you can just begin to take that and say, now how can I take that and bring that into the world? And even though it feels insignificant, how can I maybe just help it create a little bit of beauty? How can I help bring some healing because of this? How can I create new possibilities for people around me? Mosaic, this is what we're called to, these seemingly insignificant things that carry so much significance because this is, this is how the kingdom grows. And, and Bob, along the way, you know, he had a lot of tragedy. One time what they did is um, there was this one kid, um, Brian Dawkins was his name, and Brian would ride to practice on the rims of his old bicycle. Didn't have tubes and tires on his bike. 
So they realized they couldn't get him a new bike because if they got him a new bike, they knew that they'd be sending Brian up just to have probably um, have him be beat up or maybe even killed and his bike taken. So they said, you know, let's just kind of just get some tires on his bike, put a new chain on his bike, get some used handlebars that needed to be replaced and put them on there. So that's what they did. And uh, a few weeks later, um, Brian was killed from gang violence and his bike was stolen. And so Bob had to wrestle with this, like, just, man, you know, like, it, there's a lot of tension. There's no easy answers in all of this. The journey is difficult. Um, but Bob kept going. He kept going. Hollywood actually caught the story, and they ruined it. Um, they made this movie. They made this movie called Hardball. So if you've seen the movie Hardball, it kind of tells that story, but they do a bad job of telling it. Get Bob's book, Safe at Home, if you want to read more about Bob's life and, and get a vision for someone who had a a kingdom kind of, you know, mustard seed vision of what seemingly seemed insignificant but carried so much significance. So, Mosaic, just as we wrap up this morning, let's consider a few things, all right? That mustard seed in your hand. The mustard seed sprouts among the unlikely. Jesus called people that the elite of the day, whether it was the Roman elite or the religious elite, did not pay attention to, all right? And so you're an unlikely candidate to hold this mustard seed of this kingdom, but yet it's among you, it's within you, it's in your midst. And some of you are like, oh, how did I get here, you know? Well, you kind of voluntarily came here this morning, but at the same time, you're here, you know? And yeah, I know it's unlikely, but man, like, the vision of Jesus' kingdom, it starts with us, Mosaic, paying attention to those little things. What is it? Herb Brooks, coach of the 1980 um, U.S. Olympic hockey team, he was uh, really known for kind of saying this, I don't look for the best players. I look for the right players. I don't look for the best players. I look for the right players. And Mosaic, you, you're the right players. You are, because I know a lot of you. You're not afraid to ask tough questions. You don't settle for easy answers. You're not afraid to call out BS if you know it's there. And so you're the unlikely candidates. That's why you're here at Mosaic. I know it. That's why I'm here at Mosaic. But this is where the kingdom starts, among unlikely players like us, right? So what's the insignificant thing that Jesus is calling you to pay more attention to because it's carrying actually incredible significance? The mustard seed sprouts among the unlikely. And I'll say this. This seed is going to sprout among the unlikely People who pay attention to living with limits. Are you willing to limit yourself so that you can actually pay attention to this little mustard seed that's within you? Because it is so easy to ignore. It is so easy to just get caught up in other things. So, so people who can say, I'm going to rest. I'm going to fast. I'm going to say no to certain things so that I can say yes to this and just sit with this and pay attention to this and realize that this thing carries so much significance. So what's it calling me to? The mustard seed grows peacefully. It grows peacefully, guys. It grows peacefully inside of us. Don't force it, all right? Don't force growth in your life. If you want to kill growth in your life, keep digging up the seed and see how it's going, You don't do that. When you plant something in the soil, you just let it sit and you believe that over time, patiently and peacefully, this is going to grow. So stop fretting over it. Learn how to limit yourself with some deep breaths, right? 
Learn how to limit yourself with some silence in moments alone where it's like, I am going to sit with just me and this kingdom within me right now. That's it. Nothing else. And I'm going to believe that somehow this thing is going to grow peacefully and patiently. And if I want the kingdom to grow around me, I can't force it growing around me either, right? We often turn in our mustard seeds and pick up swords. That's what Jesus' followers wanted to do, right? And Jesus like, put down your sword, Mustard seed, it grows peacefully and patiently. Um, like I skipped one. The mustard seed spreads from person to person. It spreads from person to person. It doesn't come from the top down. It can't be mandated to the masses. Right? It spreads from person to person. So what is happening in you is you begin to pay attention to this insignificant thing. And then as you share that with others and others share that with you, like together we find this thing growing. And actually the roots of a mustard seed plant, they, they like, they're messy, man. They get under the ground and they go in all different kinds of directions. And that's what like our web of person to person relationships does is we learn to have this mustard seed grow person to person. Like we find this like tangled web of just all these messy relationships but that's how the kingdom spreads. That's how it grows. It's not just mandated from powerful places and saying, everybody align yourself to it. So that's the beautiful thing of this kingdom mosaic, and that's what I want us to consider this week is just that simple task of how can I maybe limit myself this week to pay attention to what the kingdom among and within is calling me to. How is this kingdom going to lead me to just a greater sense of like inner wholeness, a greater awareness of what's going on around me and my neighbors, of how I can maybe take something that I enjoy or just something that feels natural to me and use that to bless other people, to look to serve other people, to encourage others, to point others to, hey, there's this kingdom that's welcoming you. And so let that be our movement this week, Mosaic. So I want to invite our worship team up as we close this morning. And as we come down this center aisle, as we go to these tables together, let this be a moment where maybe as you walk forward with that seemingly insignificant mustard seed, let yourself hear hear Jesus within you, reminding you of just the incredible significance that your life holds, um, that you are a part of all that he's doing. Um, and that you contend the good work that's happening all around us. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for um, this time to be together. Uh, thank you for the beauty of your kingdom that you have brought to us. Thank you for the opportunity to embrace uh, the little things, the insignificance of our lives, but realizing that actually, oh, there is so much significance there. And Jesus, thank you that with you and your kingdom, there is love, there is mercy, there is forgiveness of sin, there is new possibility, uh, there's hope for the future, uh, there is uh, reconciliation where there's strife, uh, there's a pronouncement of peace where there's enemies that are present, uh, and there's the promise that even should, it, it, it feels like evil is having the final say, we can know that ultimately good overcomes evil. Uh, so Jesus, thank you for bringing that hope to us. Uh, 
and speak to us now uh, in the way that you will as we come to these tables. And we pray this in your name. Amen.